reading of God's word this morning. Can I lay this on top of here? Go ahead, that's good. Our reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. You may be seated. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. I told John and uh, Jenny this last night. He had the staff over for a Christmas party, and so we were having conversation at the dinner table, and I told them something that God had been teaching me through my study, and uh, after I told them, Jenny and John both said, I hope that's the trial run, because if you try to say that in the morning, it's going to be butchered, so I'm going to try to get through it without butchering it, but if you'll turn to uh, Malachi chapter 4, we've looked at Malachi chapter 4 several different times through this Advent uh, season, through this Advent series called rise and that's what we've been hoping that the that God will do he will rise in us an affection for his son Jesus who is the advent that who is who we come to celebrate that's who we will come and celebrate uh, next week uh, next Sunday morning the advent of Christ the arrival of Christ but in Malachi chapter 4 if you remember uh, over the last two weekends we've read these verses and it says this in chapter 4 verse 2 it says but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise, and with healing in its wings, he shall go out like you shall go out like leaping like calves in the stall. And this and this is what uh, I was looking at and studying. If you remember just a few moments ago, we sang the song. uh, This is where I butchered it, John. So I'm going for it, man. Hark the herald angels sing. And John told me last night, he's like, okay, just don't butcher it the way. I don't know what I said last night. I think it was like, um, yeah, herald the hark the angels or something like that. It was not good. And so Jenny and John said, please don't do that in the morning. But we read that in Malachi chapter 4, but we just sang it. I hope you didn't just miss what he sang to us. And we sang back to God in Hark the herald angels sing, the third stanza, the third line. It says, risen with what? Healing in his wings. That line that we just sang comes directly out of the passage and directly out of this passage that we've been looking at this morning. The whole reason that Jesus has come is for our healing. I hope we believe that this morning and we sing that. And I hope when John sings the songs that he sings over us and we sing with John, it's not just words. Uh, knowing John and talking with John, every song that John picks is saturated in the Word of God. 
There's a lot of songs out there that sound great, and they're easy to sing, and they're fun to sing, but if you actually pay attention to the words, they have nothing to do with the Scripture, and so John is picking songs that come out of God's Word, not out of a, uh, out of a Baptist hymnal. Every song that he picks, though it's out of the Baptist hymnal, is coming to us from the very words of God. And so I pray that when you sang that, and we sang that with John this morning, that we would remember that healing is in his wings this morning. That's the great anticipation of the arrival of Christ. And over the last two weeks, just as a way to recap, the first week was we looked at the anticipation or the arrival of Jesus Christ at Christmas, the Advent. Therefore, God is worthy to be worshipped. That all that we do in this season and all that we do in our lives as believers, as we look at the anticipation of Christ coming and then again as Christ's return, we uh, give praise and honor to God. Last week we looked at because of Christ's coming, because of all that Christ has done for us, God is worthy of our service. And the question asked the first week was, how are we doing in our worship to God? Last week was, how are we doing in our service to God, in our service to the church? You remember here in Luke chapter 1, uh, this is kind of the backdrop of what's happening here. Remember, God has been silent for 400 years. The very last words from Malachi, or if you're Italian, Malachi, that's for you, Paul, uh, or, or Malachi, Malachi, chapter 4, God goes silent for 400 years. I don't think we could imagine what that looks like. The God of the universe had been speaking over and over and over and to and to his people for centuries. And then in this moment, he goes silent for 400 years. The people of God had not heard from God. And then here in Luke chapter 1, we see God finally speaks again to his people. He speaks to first to Elizabeth and to Mary and says to both of them, hey, Mary, you're going to have my son. You're going to have Jesus. And he says to Elizabeth, you're going to have a son who's going to pave the way for my son. And then Zechariah is in the temple doing his temple duties. And God shows up through Gabriel and says to him, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. And this son of yours is going to pave the way for my son, the savior of the world. And you remember uh, that Zechariah doesn't believe the angel. And he says to the angel, hey, I'm real old. And then tosses uh, poor Elizabeth totally under the bus twice and says, but she's really old. How's that going to happen? And in that moment, God through Gabriel says, you can no longer talk. And so for the next nine months, Zechariah is silent. He cannot communicate with his people or with his wife or with his family. Only by doing, can he do so by writing on a tablet to communicate. And then in this moment, John the Baptist is born. And in that moment, they go and they say, what, what are you going to name him? And it's customary in the day, you name your first son after the dad. And they said, you've got to get it wrong. You're, you're saying you really want to name him John? And Zechariah says, yes, that's what God said to do. And in that moment of belief is in the moment that God opened his mouth. And that's where we pick up here in Luke chapter 1. The very moment that Zechariah's mouth is opened, 
What are the very first words that come out of his mouth after a nine-month period of being silent? It's what we call the Benedictus. Zechariah's Benedictus or Zechariah's prophecy or Zechariah's song. And John just read it to us. And he says throughout this, he goes on and on to talk about the arrival, not of his son. Don't, don't miss that here in the Benedictus. This has nothing to do with John the Baptist. This has everything to do with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who is still about three or four months from being born. And he, in that moment, understands all that God had said to him in the temple, that there would be a Savior of the world that would come. And this is his declaration. This is his proclamation. This is his song back to that about the arrival of Jesus Christ. Here's what one writer says. Matthew McCullough says this. The Advent season, the one that we're in now, this very moment, calls us to savor the sweet promises of the gospel by looking to Christ through our longing for something more. And so it's not by accident that when we think about Christmas, we think about not just about Christ coming as a baby, but if you are a believer, my hope is that it stirs your affection for his ultimate return. And therefore, we're in the middle of that. We're in the middle of him coming to uh, earth as a baby, dying a sinless, perfect life for you and for me. And then we're waiting in the promise in this other Advent series, if you will, of Christ's ultimate return. And what this writer is saying, we have this long expectation. I hope this morning as a believer... You have an expectation of what God is going to do and what God is doing. This morning, we're going to look at this one main idea. It's going to be broken up into two sections. But it's God's sunrise. Jesus brings salvation to his people. Let's look at the passage. We won't read the whole passage. Again, the passage we'll focus on is verse 76 through 79. This is what Zechariah is singing to God. He says, and you, child, talking about John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord, that's the Savior, that's Jesus Christ, to prepare His way, Christ's way. And what is the way that He's preparing for God's people? To give knowledge of salvation to His people. What is salvation? In the forgiveness of their sins. So John the Baptist is to pave the way to bring salvation to God's people. And so we can get caught up on it. It looks like it's about John the Baptist, but this passage is about John the Baptist paving the way for the Savior of the world to come. Amen? And he says, it's the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise, that's where we get this series name from, by the rise of the Savior, the sunrise, shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Just two words before we get into the section. The first three words, actually. The first word is circle in your Bible the word because. You see that in verse 27. It's because of, here's the salvation of the world, because of what? How come there's salvation for us? It's because of the tender mercy of God. 
It's just not just that God loves us. It's not just that he cares for us. But it's the tender mercy of God that God is offering us his son in the form of a baby for our salvation because of his tender mercy. The next word to underline, highlight, circle in your Bible is this word tender. Tender means compassion and affection. Two words combined to one. Not just the compassion of God and his affection of God for us. <clears throat> you ever heard the word or the, the saying, I, I love you with all of my heart? Anyone ever said that? Well, well this, this word tender takes that expression to a whole nother level. What the word tender, me, tender mean is from the bowels. So I, I don't advise trying this on your wife or spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend. I love you from my bowels. But that's what the, that's what the writer is saying. That, that there's no deeper place in the human soul than the bowels of the person. He's saying, hey, God's tender mercy is so deep within him, it's from his very bowels, it's from his very core, not just his heart, but the very insides of who God is. He loves us that way. That God's tender mercy. We looked at what mercy looked like last week. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. What do we deserve as wretched sinners? We deserve hell. We deserve sin. But because of God's tender mercy, his love, his compassion, his affection for us, he gave Jesus Christ for our salvation because he cares for us. And then he says this, to give light to those who are in darkness. You see, if we took all the, the stained glass windows, we took all the light out of this place and it was pitch black. If I lit a candle, it would give light to the whole room. Now, I'll never do that because I'm petrified of the dark, as you know. And <clears throat> unfortunately, I've made that known here. And you um, people uh, are, are plotting this game to get back at me. I won't, they'll remain nameless. They're in the soundboard this morning. Said they're going to hide in the baptistry with all the lights off and pop out one dime when I'm locking the door. That won't go well for them, and it won't go well for this new carpet, if you know what I mean. I hate the dark with a passion. I cannot stand the dark. I, I still, to this day, want to sleep with a nightlight. Y'all can make fun of it if you want. I hate the dark. Uh, I, I think it goes back to, I'll kind of tell the story. It goes back to when I was in elementary school. My parents had the bright idea to take me, a city boy, and go camping. That's a bad idea to begin with. So my older brother, he's 11 months older than I am, decided, hey, they, th- they took us to a campground. We had a camper. Another bad idea. Why are you going to go camping with a camper? A pop-up camper, a Winnebago. It stuck my brother and I in a tent. They got the luxury of the Winnebago, not me. I see how much my parents love me. I hope they listen to this one too. Most of the times I hope they don't listen. I hope they listen to this message. So my brother and I said, hey, why don't we go uh, sneak out? Should never listen to my brother. That was a bad idea. So he and I are, uh, I think we're somewhere between like uh, Pennsylvania. We were making our way from Virginia Beach all the way to Maine. So we're somewhere between there. I don't remember where. I'm traumatized by the event. So my older brother, Scott, said, hey, why don't we go out in the pitch black of this campground? 
Me being a little brother said, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a bad idea. So I, my brother and I are going through the woods, and this guy, now, I don't have anything wrong with, um, how can I say this politely? Um, amputees, that's the politest way to say it. Well, this amputee had one of those hooks on his hand, and he came charging at me like this. And from that moment on, I said, I'm never going in the dark again, because if it was light out, I would have seen that joker behind the bush. And so from that moment on, I made a declaration. I hate the dark. I want to be in the light. And I think to myself, I know that's a silly story, but I think to myself, and I think for us as believers, how often do we not rejoice in the light that the gospel shines on our path. You, you see, we do have an adversary, and though he doesn't have a hook for a hand, he, he does have it out for us. He wants to kill us. And the adversary prowls around like a roaring lion, it tells us in Peter, in the dark places. And so for us, we need the gospel to shine its light into our darkness. And so the gospel, Jesus, is our great light. Jesus brings salvation to his people. And God uses Jesus as a way to bring light into our darkness. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that we were once lost in the dark? That's all throughout Scripture. We looked at it last Advent season. That God shines his son, Jesus, into the darkest, darkest places. I love what the Message Bible, how it says this passage here in Luke chapter 1, 77 through 79. It says, through the heartfelt mercies of God, God's sunrise, that's with a capital S for Jesus, will break into us, shining on those in the darkness, who sit in the shadows of death, then showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. Do we believe that this morning? You see, the imagery of light is all through the Bible. If you think about it, that, that God is talked about as light. You remember that uh, God shows up to Moses, what, in a burning bush. That's light. That God then, when he delivers his people out of Egypt, what does it say? He said he guided them by a pillar of fire by night. And so throughout the Bible, we see God's imagery about being light. There's three primary reasons and three primary ways throughout the Old Testament that God is referred to as, as light. First, it's God's presence. We see that in the burning bush. The second one is God's revelation, that God brings revelation and talks about being the light of the world. And the third one is the light is God's blessing. Let's just see a few places in Scripture where we are sat in darkness. Let's turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. This is what we looked at last Advent season. It says this in Isaiah chapter 9. This is what it looks like for us to still be in the darkness. It says, The people who walked in darkness have now seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness were shown a great light. There's another one, Psalms chapter 107. You can turn there. We'll be looking at this extensively this morning. 
Psalms 107, verse 10 through 16. Jesus is the light to those who are in the darkness. It says this in verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadows of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they have rebelled against the words of God and have spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor and they fell down with none to help. How many of us can identify with verse 10 and 11? Some of us sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in afflictions and irons. That is talking about the, the, the Israelites in their bondage to the Egyptians, but it also talks to us as unbelievers today. Before any of us came to know Christ, before Christ came and dwelt and gave his life for us, and we placed our hope and our trust and our faith in him, all of us sat in darkness. All of us sat in shadows. All of us were like the Israelites in Egypt. All of us, as verse 11 says, we all rebelled against the words of God. We all spurred his great counsel. And here comes the promise. So what did he do because of their rebellion, because of our rebellion? It says he bowed their hearts down with hard labor and they fell down with none to help. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you've come to the end of your rope this morning. Maybe you, you've, because of God's providence, because of God's sovereignty, because of God's discipline in your life, He's bowing your heart and He's bowing it through hard labor, whatever that may be. And you would say, there is no help for me anywhere. We've got to come to the last of ourselves. We cannot help ourselves. Do we believe that? I don't think so quite often, but this passage says that we, in order to ever see the light of Jesus Christ, we must come to the very end of ourselves. You cannot help yourself out of the dark. If you were to place me in this room, I know this room well enough, but if it was pitch black because I'm frightened and terrified, I'd fumble and stumble ever, over every pew in this place trying to get to the front door. I cannot help myself. Tenfold that in my sin before coming to Christ. Verse 13 then says this. Then, after they figured out there was no help, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. And how did he deliver them? Verse 14, he brought them out of what? Darkness. That's talking about spiritual darkness. It's talking about where their hearts are. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death. And he what? He burst their bonds apart. He burst the shackles. And then they thanked the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to the children of, of man. For he shatters, shatters the doors of bronze and cuts the two bars of iron. That's what God does in us. That God penetrates the darkness with his son Jesus to set us free. Let's turn to John chapter 12. This is what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 12. 
verse 44 through 46. Jesus cried out loud and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Talking about God the Father. Saying God the Father is the one that sent me. What does he say that God the Father sent him for? Verse 46. I have come into the world as what? Light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. So God the Father, in his providence, knowing that we rebellious sinners remained in the dark and we needed a great light to be shown for us to get us out of darkness. You and I could not get out of darkness on our own. We need the great light of our salvation, Jesus Christ, who was sent to us by God the Father to show us how to get out of this great darkness. And that is who we celebrate. The great light has been given to us to pull us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So God the Father gives light to those who are in darkness. It doesn't stop there. Let's look at verse uh, the, the, the last part of verse 79. It says this, to give what? Light to those who sit in darkness and are in the shadow of death. To what? Not only does he give us light, but now he becomes our guide. It says to guide our feet in the way of peace. So God becomes our direction in the way of peace. That Christ becomes our way of peace. That Christ shows us where we ought to go. Now, Zechariah would have been using this word peace. And I, I think when we think of peace, we think of war, like war and peace. But that's not what this word is talking about. The word peace here in this text is the word shalom. The peace of God, the shalom of God. That's what Adam and Eve had in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Before the fall, they had shalom. The word shalom means being totally free, prosperity, security, wholeness, oneness, that Adam and Eve experienced the shalom of God in the garden, oneness with God, wholeness with God, prosperity of God, uh, a well-being with God. And what happened was when they took the fruit and ate of the fruit, the shalom or the peace of God was shattered. And we've never had shalom or oneness with God until the advent of Christ Jesus. That's what the advent of Christ does. The advent of Christ now brings back the peace of God. That's why he's known as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Shalom. The oneness of God. That God gave us his son, the peace of himself, so that we could now have peace or oneness or wholeness with God. And so God sent Jesus as our direction to the way of peace. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 10. This is what it doesn't look like to have peace with God. It says this in verse 1 through verse 10. Behold, God's hand is not shortened it, it cannot, that it cannot save. Or his ear dull that it cannot hear. This is where the peace of God, the, the shattering of peace of God has occurred for you and for me. 
but what our iniquities or our sins have what? Have separated us. Have made separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Oh, Isaiah is talking about the shattering of the shalom or the peace of God in this passage. There, ours, those who are far from God, their feet run to evil. And they are swift to shed innocent blood and their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity or sin. Desolation and destruction are their highways. What he's saying is when the peace of God isn't in our lives, we run to destruction. We run to evil. We run to wickedness. That's our pathway. That's our highway is what Isaiah says. Therefore, justice is far from them or from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for what? Light and behold darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Verse 10, we grope the walls like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. What Isaiah's passage, what his imagery here is an amazing imagery. He's saying that apart from Jesus Christ, we are like blind men in a room looking for the door. And he uses the word, he uses the word grope. Grope means that they are scouring all the corners of this room to find a way out. And it says they can find no way out. And they search and they search and they search and they search and they can find no way out. But let's look at what Jesus, the Advent, does. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. This is what Paul has to say about the great light, our great hope. Because of his arrival, Christ's arrival. Verse 19 says this, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile, that means to bring back together to restore the peace of God, to join back together, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making what? Peace or shalom by what? The blood of his cross. And you, you were once, that's you, that's me, that's the unbeliever. You were once alienated and hostile in your minds doing evil deeds. He, Jesus, has now reconciled in his, blood, his body of flesh by his death in order to present what? You holy. So because of Christ's coming, because of Christ's life, because of Christ's death, you and I are now what? Holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Nothing because of what you've done, because of what he did for you. When he entered into the room, as you and I were groping the walls of the room, looking for a way out, he showed up and made the way out, and in doing so, he said, now you are holy and blameless. And he's the one that paves the way of our peace. And above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and earth, and I, which Paul 
and become a minister. And so for us this morning, are you still in the room, groping the walls, looking for a way out? Or have you, as a believer, sit with full assurance that God, the Father, sent Jesus this Advent season into those dark places of your life to provide the way out, to give you what? Peace with God. Here's what one writer says, C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Let me read that one more time. It's an amazing quote by C.S. Lewis. Is it true for us, though, this morning? I believe, in I believe in Christianity. I believe in Christ. As I believe in the sun, it doesn't matter how overcast it is that the sun comes up, you and I know the sun is out, amen? Can't wait for spring. As the sun has risen, not only because I see it, the sun, but because by the sun, I now see everything else. Is that not true for our relationship with Christ? Not only do I see Christ, but because of Christ, now I see everything else. And those everything else is do you, because of Christ, see the sin in your life that you must repent of? Not only the sin you must repent of, but because of Christ, you see the great blessings that you must rejoice in. It's not just sin that he reveals to us. It's the blessings that he reveals to us. But we can only see both the sin and the blessing through Christ because he has shown great light in all of those places. This is what another writer says. I hope this is true for you. It takes us back to Malachi chapter 4. Those who experience the healing, wholeness, or the or God's peace, shalom. That's what Christ has done for us. He's brought us peace with God. Leap like calves released from a stall. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I've, I've been on some farms, and I've seen cooped up animals. And when they get out of a stall, they go crazy. And I just wonder for you and for me, is that what's in our heart this morning? Because we have been released by the peace of God. Heals in the air, free and complete. Do we live lives of freedom because of this Advent series, at this Advent season, because Christ has come, because, because of the marvelous light of God's Son, Jesus, has shone brightly and gotten you out of darkness, and now put you on a path to peace. Do we leap for that? Do we rejoice for that? Tennyson, we do a movie night at the house every Friday. And I promise, I've been trying to get her to watch this movie for, I don't know, three years. The movie Up, anyone ever seen Up? She still won't watch the movie. So this week we got, I don't know who the artist was, but it's basically stick figures. It's terrible. But the whole premise of the movie is what we're talking about here. 
It's Christ being the greatest gift that was ever given to us this Advent season. And do we rejoice in the light of the gospel like calves being released from a stall? Do we believe this morning that he is the light to all of us that are in darkness? And do we believe that he gives direction to our peace? Let us pray. God, your word is so clear in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor the brightness shall be the noon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. I pray that would be true for us, God. That you would be our everlasting light. Because of your son, Jesus, who came and said, I am the light of the world. God, you tell us in John that he is the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and the word is a lamp unto our feet. And so, Jesus, you are the lamp unto our feet. God, I beg you this morning that if there's anyone in here that is in the room groping the walls to get out, that this very moment, God, through your divine Holy Spirit, would enter into that room and show them the light. Show them how to get from darkness into your marvelous light. And God, I pray for the believer here this morning. that if they're struggling to have peace with you this morning, that this would be a great promise to them, that you have provided a way to peace. God, that peace has nothing to do with external circumstances. It has nothing to do with whether we get the greatest gifts at Christmas or the worst gifts at Christmas or a great job, or a new car, or whatever it may be, God, that that word peace has nothing to do with external things. But that word peace, God, for us, has everything to do with our internal peace with you. I pray that you'd give us peace with you. You continue to pave the way for us. God, this week, as we get ready for Christmas Eve service, we get ready for Christmas morning, that we wouldn't get lost in all the hustle and bustle of wrapping gifts or buying gifts or Christmas parties or hanging out with friends, God. But somehow throughout this next week, as we're driving or we're laying our head on our pillow, God, that you would remind us that you have sent your greatest son, Jesus, to be our peace. I pray that would be true for all of us this morning. Lead us and guide us. Praise us in Christ's name. Amen.